Good morning, good people. Sauce Talk here. I wanted to jump on here as I'm reconstructing things with this podcast and trying to make it the best podcast I could make it. But I just I just felt compelled to to uh to come on here and and uh just to drop something, just to say, you know, with the with the news of hearing about Demarius Thomas' death, 33-year-old former wide receiver, Denver Broncos. Um, a player that I, you know, followed with, you know, Calvin Johnson, you know, saying coming with his name and then seeing who's coming after him from that college, I kept an eye on Demarius Thomas. And Demarius Thomas, to me, was somebody that I looked at as like, man, this dude could be another, you know, freak athlete type big body wide receiver that could, you know, break some tackles and make some plays. Lo and behold, I was right. You know, he was able to be a a guy that, you know, he wasn't six foot five, but he was somebody who could be physical, somebody could go up there and get the ball, but also can run after the catch. And as we all know, you know, he was the one that ran the touchdown from the Tim Tebow pass that gets talked about, especially around Skip Bayless whenever he gets brought up to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card. Demarius Thomas also, you know, going through things of, you know, dealing with stuff while playing in the NFL, you know, with his mom, his grandmother. Uh, I think everybody kind of knows that story. Don't need to go down there. It just, it just saddens me that a 33-year-old man who retired from the game that he loved, knowing that he gave it all he had, all he could out the tank, and was able to go to be able to sit back and enjoy the, uh, you know, the fruits of his labor. I hate that that this is you know this is a you know just one of those things you know you you find a person dead in their home you just like don't know what's going on and I could just feel for the family and, and my thoughts and prayers out to them. Like I said, number eighty-eight. You got a lot of you know NFL voices are you know have been heard so far since the news and people with the Twitter or uh, Facebook and stuff like that with good words and stuff like that. Brandon Marshall, uh, Chris Harris. Um, you know, those guys who, you know, was in the war room with him and out there on the football field, you know, fighting for, fighting for a championship, you know, just to win the win, you know, he got to be a part of that, you know, he got to be a part of that. Peyton Manning came to that team and turned that team around John Fox, Greg Gubiak, and they were actually able to win. And get it done. And Demarius Thomas was able to be a part of that. You know, I just, I hate, I really hate that uh, his life is cut short at 33 years old. And such a person of the people, you know, especially with the community, uh, being a person of like how he came up, um, you, you know that, that a person good in his heart that's going to have good things coming to him. And he was able to take those good things and be able to share it too his community and, and kids mainly uh, with people seeing video of him working with kids and doing stuff off the field. He was a humanitarian at best, you know, philanthropist using what he was able to do on a football field, gain the recognition and gain the fruits of it. Like I said, and being able to share 
That's that's something to look at more so than just numbers and things what you do on a football field. And Demarius Thomas, you know, a mystery to that to a lot of people to just feel like, hey, he was just number 88 to play for the Broncos in, in a couple of other teams. He was more so all the, more than that, you know. So uh, for all the well wishes and good words and stuff like that going to his family, um, I know they know that, that they, you know, lost – Somebody way too early, but they know they lost somebody that maybe could be used as a as a helping hand in 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 the in the in the, in the, in the place that we go to once we pass on. And they always believe in that to where in cases to where you know if you get called on too young, you know you might it might be better things in detail in the next life that we don't know about. And, you know, when people say, you know, you get scared, you think about your own mortality. You know, the more I think about it, yeah, we do get scared about our own mortality. We do think, like, man, like, when is that day coming? Or when is, we don't know when. Cause people, you know, die at 90, 80, 70, and then some people die at 22, 23, 25, 33, 35. And you don't know what's going on. You know, people think it's all quick. What was a foul play or nothing? And Nah, you know, what, it, what it's said to be is medical conditions, medical issues. So we don't know what really went on, but that's not neither here or there the reason of why we are sitting there saying, hey, a moment to remember Demarius Thomas in this moment of being positive in a moment of, of, a, you know, of, of, a, of a, you know, a very sudden tragic death. You know, when Kobe Bryant passed away, when Chadwick Bozeman passed away, whenever... We hear people like that that leave here early. Paul Walker, uh, you know, the list go on. It's just the people in my head that I, you know, that I, that I'm familiar with that I felt that just, you know, that we all know that left here early, and all different reasons and things of that nature. But it's just like, man, like, be blessed and you know, say to to the people that care about you and that you care about the most. You call them up and tell them that you love them. And you call them and say, hey, how you doing? You check up on people. Because you never know whenever a day like this could come to where, you know, Mama Thomas and, uh, and family and stuff like that are like, wow, I'm at loss because I can't talk to my son. People, I can't talk to my cousins. I can't talk to, you know, it's just, it's, it's the word something was like such a given that you could talk to Demarius tomorrow. But that's not a given. It's not a given I could talk to my dad tomorrow. It's not a given I could talk to my mom tomorrow. It's people that was without, that know that. That's a very, 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 very tragic thing, you know. With my family, uh, on both sides of my family here in the past couple of weeks, I've had to deal with that. Death that just comes where you just like, wow, how? And I got a cousin that, you know, turned 50 years old, living his best life. COVID, gone. Another cousin went through hell and back with health issues, get herself together, getting to where you can enjoy life, gone. Sudden, these are the things where we just like, how does this, you know, it's like, why? And then, you you know, it just, it hurts. 
So I just that's what moves me to sit here and get on here. It's not so much about what happened in sports or the Steelers losing last night after they try to come back or the Lakers losing to the Grizzlies. It's more to me to where I was like, man, I want to get on here. I want to, I want to, you know, give that, you know, just want to just, yeah, man, life is precious, man. Life is so precious and stuff like, you know, finding out this, this morning, it's kind of like, damn, man. It's like, damn, Demarius Thomas. But you know, you hear these people that, 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 you know, are close ones, you know, saying that they are not public figures or celebrities or sports figures that, 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 that pass on. Nick Cannon just lost his son, you know, prayers to that family. So it's just like, it's all regular people, you know, celebrities or whatever. I guess I'm just saying, hey, man, if you're going through a loss or a sudden loss, any type of loss is bad, but I'm, I guess you could say that I'm saying I'm sorry for hearing that or sorry for the, the loss that you're going through because everywhere you turn around, that's what we're going through. Especially during this time of COVID and stuff, with that being a tool to take some of our favorite people out of here. And it's just, it sucks, man. It sucks. I just wanted, you know, I wanted to get on here and, and open up with that and to see where this episode is going to go past that point. But man, I just, I, that just, I was like, man, 33 years old. I'm 33 years old. You know, I'm 33. I, I, I think about my health. I think about myself every day as far as like, how can I be sure to where, you know, you know, the good Lord willing, you know, I want to wake up every day, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, what can I do to help that process? Because I know I'm not doing it all by myself. You know, you look up and you say, okay, you know, people with their religions and stuff, I'm not, you know, people who have their, their you know, the, me, I look at it as like, you know, I'm helping the, 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 I'm helping not doing it all. But this weekend, tomorrow, the weekend starting up, we got UFC on board, we got champions, we got champions defending titles. Man and woman, we got Oliveira, who I think is a hell of a fighter who's been through hell and back in the UFC. He's been through hell and back in MMA, period. He's been through defeat. He's been through trying to learn to get better. He's gotten better. He's been dangerous. He went from dangerous to be technical. And now he's just all-out monster. And that's in Charles Oliveira. Then you have somebody who kind of Going through that same hell process of trying to come up, getting knocked down, coming back up, fighting for fighting for this, you know, saying like being labeled as, you know, just, uh, you know, a warrior. Never really looked at it as like being the next great champion, but just a tough fighter or just going through the ups and downs of trials and tribulations to make yourself better. This is a matchup where two of these guys are matching up against each other that has kind of had a path in their career to where it was not a given like a. Uh, uh, Conor McGregor or a uh, which you can't say Conor McGregor was given but what I'm saying is that they have been through ups and downs of like wow I've you know I've took a couple L's to where you know to a guy to where I felt like do you need to be back up on this plateau again to try to fight you know what I'm saying like people go through these, these through these stages of in their fight career to where you can have a smooth sailing like a BJ Penn because you're really naturally talented 
you know what I'm saying, a prodigy, you know what I'm saying, GSP, somebody who worked at their game that knew they was going to be prepared before anybody else who can soar up through the ranks. Do you have some people like John Jones, who was naturally gifted? Do you have people like that, Rampage Jackson, Uganda, who choose to have all-out natural power to knock you the hell out? But you have Alavera and you have Dustin Poirier who have really worked on their game through the years to be where they're at today and to not even be kind of recognized. Because when they won, you know what I'm saying, you get to this part, Alavera you think would be the celebrated guy or whatever most talked about. No, it's not the case. He has to prove it tonight. Somebody who beat Conor McGregor, somebody who ended up might having a trilogy you know what I'm saying? A, a fourth fight, not say trilogy, a fourth fight with Connor. You know what I'm saying? But he's got to try to get a belt over Oliveira. Oliveira understands that this guy is coming very determined. He's very humble. He's very similar. So you're going to have to have the mindset of saying, I'm not going against a cocky guy that's going to think he's going to come in here and just going to just run me over. I'm fighting somebody who's showing respect, and I'm going to show respect. This is going to be all our good, classy fight that. Dustin Poirier has advantage with the hands, but Oliveira's just all-around balance attack could throw that off and make him wait and flinch and fate and stuff like that, kind of like how he did against Khabib when he was going for the title then. Same thing with Tony Ferguson uh, with going against Justin Gaethje. He's just so balanced. You don't know what Oliveira could do to you. (laughs) So... You know, Dustin Poirier's going to get over that hump before he really starts swinging and trying to, you know, dominate with the hands. It's like what some similar to what he has done in the past few fights. Um, it's it's going to be a war. It's definitely going to be a war, and I I can't wait to see that fight along with Amanda Nunes. You know, going up against another challenger who is going to challenge, uh, is going to challenge her mentally. You know, physically, you know, I don't. Juliana Pena has four losses, but to me, she just looks like somebody that's just hungry. And it looks like somebody to be like, man, you've been on top for too long. And um, the man of Nunez, who I think has been an amazing champion, I think she's been great. You know, she's been great, uh, you know, as far as TV. I think she's passed the test as far as doing the commercials. She's been a, you know, the smile and regardless of, you know, people getting over the fact of the LGBT, whatever. She's a fighter. She's a human being. She's a person that, you know, has her family and has her life, her, 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 her life the way she wants. And, and I think she's done an excellent job of being women's champ for the UFC. Same as the bullet, Shevchenko. And I wish those two were getting her back in the octagon again for, for a, uh, whatever would be a four fight. But they need to get back in there again and do it again just to see if Valentina could handle it this time and see if she can move up with that weight and, and be conquered because nobody really can beat her in her weight. It's nobody. So, I mean, like, we'll see if those two would meet up again because they went to war. And Amanda knew that's being a bigger person, you know what I'm saying, being the bigger girl, she, she, she won the fight. In this fight, she's the bigger person. But I just think Juliana... Could could be that difference, that hungry person, that person like, hey, I'm gonna get after it. Who's who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? You know. Um, Cody Garbrandt, he's gonna be fighting Kai Kai France. That's a flyaway fight. 
You know, Cody Garbrandt, good hands, lethal hands. We got a welterweight fight, Jeff Neal going against Santiago Pose the BBO. We got Sugar Show, Sugar Sean O'Malley, you know what I'm saying? He's going to be in that bantamweight action going against uh, Reliant uh, Palva. Uh, uh, uh. I, man, his name is crazy. Pavea. Or Pava. Pava, excuse me. But Sean O'Malley, you know, the Sugar Show, he says he's the most entertaining guy in UFC. He uh, took a defeat. You know, that kind of knocked you down a peg or two. But he still is electric. He still got, you know, dynamic uh, with the hand movement, movement from transitioning to, I was all one day, he went from, you know, bobbing, weaving, counter to punch, came around, locked up with a headlock. You know what I'm saying? Like, he knows how to do things quick to make you be like, whoa, how'd you do that? You know, Sugar Show. Good hands, good counter. Uh, uh, left hand that I like that he throws. All these fights are gonna be good fights. Uh, a five fight card. You know you gonna have your um your uh, prelims and but your main card, you gonna have your five fights. Sugar Sean's gonna be coming on first. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, Jeff Neal. Uh, then we're gonna have the co-main and main event with uh Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. Then of course, the co-main event, Amanda Nunes going against Juliana Pena. Uh, Nunez got four losses. Pena got four losses. You know, Nunez, after that last loss that she took, she probably was like, you know, I'm not losing this belt. You know, I'm not losing no more. And I got to see her fight after she lost. Didn't see her lose her last fight. I got to see her when she started this win streak, I think probably about three fights in. And I'm like, who in the hell is this? And then she moves on to fight Ronda Rousey. You're like, oh, God, she's going to kill her. So, Cyborg, I really was going for Cyborg. I said, Cyborg might go ahead and get her. But then I got to thinking, like, man, Amanda Nunes might whoop her ass, but I don't know. So I didn't end up picking nobody before that fight. I didn't pick a soul. Like, I just wanted to see what was going to happen. Like, you know, how was this fight going to go down? And... Amanda Nunes just beat the living hell out of Cyborg. Made her leave the UFC, uh, more or less. I mean, or get cut, one of the two. You know, Cyborg in the UFC wasn't on the best of terms at the time anyway. But that's just, you know, that is what it is. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, that's just like... I'm glad that she don't take the big layoffs. She's ready to fight the next person. Her and Bullet Shevchenko has been great champions for the UFC. You know, John Jones ain't taking nothing from him. I understand he's getting himself ready for a heavyweight, but I'm waiting for him to get back in the octagon, man. I'm needing it. I'm needing that John Jones uh, name on the marquee, especially with uh, just that kind of a drought. You know, I, I'm Adesanya. I like. You know, he's a good good fighter. He's a middleweight. You know, he's not a light heavyweight or heavyweight. And he tried that and he took an L, but we're not going to hold that against him. He's an excellent middleweight fighter. But that has an L on his record now that a lot of people are going to just overlook because it's, it's mixed martial arts. It's how it gets down. But without a sign, you see good sneaky striking, great athleticism, um, showmanship, and all that good stuff. But John Jones, man, is just, I, just you know, he's, he's, he is the GOAT. I feel like he's the GOAT, and he's still active, and I think he needs to get back in the octagon soon, get him a fight, you know what I'm saying, get something going, even if it's a tune-up or not. Uh, you know, moving up to 200-plus pounds is a, is a transition. 
a mighty one. So I mean, I, I'm not you know trying to rush the man or anything, but like yeah, But man, it should be nice that he see John Jones on the marquee fighting against somebody on the upcoming pay per view. Also, same for uh, you know a rematch of Aldo and Conor McGregor. Aldo is trying to go for a belt. Um, I think Conor McGregor would be you know good to go down to the weight class. Aldo drop down to to try to you know get the belt. I just think that. The lightweight division for Conor McGregor is not, you don't need that. You know what I'm saying? But if you have problems getting down to the weight, I mean, through the years, you're getting older. He was a person that kind of trended up to where he could be welterweight, middleweight, instead of saying drop down. But he can, you know. Fighters have done it before. Anthony Johnson, he looks all a bit of a heavyweight, light heavyweight, but did he fight a middleweight before? Hell, he fought a welterweight. I want to guess. No, no, I don't think he went that low. But I'm just saying, fighters have done it um, held Volkanovski was a 235-pound rugby player, and now he is the, what, bantamweight champion? <laughs> I mean, jeez. So, I mean, it can be done. Um, I, think that would be, I think that would be dope, you know. Um, I'm still waiting to see if, um, I'm waiting to hear now, I wonder why Nate Diaz in there talking to stuff about CMF. Uh, like, CMF will kill you, man. Like, that man is a killer. Like he is, like like I, I like he's the new Khabib. Like where you see somebody just comes just to be like I'm going to. But he talks shit. He has his own swag demeanor. He will hurt Nate Diaz, man. That, that's shame, man. I just needed to see him fight one time, and he is dangerous all a bit. And he talks the talk. He walks the walk. I don't think Nate Diaz wants any of that smoke. But when you're trying to make a fight, you're trying to sell stuff. That's that that comes with it, you know. That comes with it, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I would hate to see Nate get beat up like that because that guy right there is a hungry, 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 hungry man, and he wants belts. He wants to be champion. I don't think Nate Diaz are is 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 going for any titles. I think he's going for a check, get his face, uh, you know, get his face seen, his name called. People are like, oh man, Nate Diaz, you know, saying fight somebody a little simple. You can dance around and do that little box and hold your hands out. I'm from Stockton and all that stuff. You do that against Shamf. I mean, the guy's a kick. The guy kill you. <laughs> just being real, man. The guy will kill you. Um, just look what he did to the last guy. Um, I think my last thing I'm gonna say about UFC is that, man, I just can't wait to see Aljamain Sterling get back out there, man, because he needs to get his mind right. You know, what I'm saying get the get the defending the belt that maybe he didn't deserve to win. Um, you know, we had a fight between, you know, uh, two contenders for that belt. Um, and the guy that he, you know, beat, he won by disqualification, looked good and got the victory. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I just mean Sterling, like the only thing I can say to him, the way I reason why I brought him up is the fact is that previous champions or guys I was talking about before. Now, if you feel like you didn't, if you feel like you, you, you're deep down inside, you didn't really win that belt. Hope you're training your ass off. Hope you're getting yourself prepared. Hope you're watching film. And hope you're getting yourself ready because you are a good fighter. You're not no slouch. So, I mean, you actually can beat this guy. Have the attitude and sit there and keep yourself ready. And, and um, and you know, some stuff that you said during that fight and after it, you know, it kind of made me feel like that you being confident because you got the belt or something that you needed to say. I hope you're matching it with the work ethic and getting yourself prepared and ready because... When they call your name and your name will be on the marquee fighting for that rematch, 
you know, homeboy will be ready. He is ready. He's quick. He's ready. He's fast. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, you know, they had uh, Khabib there. You know, he, he's, he's cool with Khabib. They're they all cool, man. So better get your mind right. You better get your mind right. Because um, just like Misha Tate, you know, Misha Tate was trying to get her way back in there. And she, you know, she if your mind ain't all the way there, you're going to get hurt. And, you know, saying it ain't no, it's no feelings. It is no feelings, man. It is no feelings in the UFC, man. If you are not ready, you will get hurt in there. Bottom line. So, Sterling, all I can say is, is man, whew, get your mind right, man. Get your mind right. Because Peter Yan has his mind right. And Corey said, hey, Look like a person that could have beat a Peter Yarn. But, see, the reason why I say Aljamain Sterling get your mind right is the reason why I'm trying to tell you to get your mind right. Peter Yarn was basically downloading all the stuff that Corey Sanhagen was doing. And it was looking like Sanhagen was act fighting an excellent fight. And next thing you know, Peter Yarn was like, nope, nope, this works, this works, this works. Red ribs, red leg. Corey Sanhagen couldn't do what he wanted to do anymore. And then next thing you know, spinning back fist started happening. And then next thing you know, he wins the fight. So, Ajamin Sterling. Bro, get your mind right, man. But um, December 18th, we got Derek Lewis going against Chris Dawkins. That's going to be the UFC fight night. For that, Stephen Thompson is going to be fighting in there. Rafael and Sakal. Uh, his five star fight before. Cub Swanson is going to be fighting. So, that's going to be after this event, you know, saying the day after my birthday on the 17th. They're going to have a little 18th uh, little event for Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis coming off of an L. Bo. I hated that he lost that last fight because that was, you know. I, I, the way I looked at it, you know, Nagano, Nagano is a monster. But could, could Derek Lewis really deal with that monster? You know, saying... You know, he's a monster. So, I mean, like, if if you could have got to that plateau, what could you really could have did? You know what I'm saying? But but Derek Derek Lewis is such a draw. He is such a draw uh, in the UFC right now. I mean, like, he's going to get fight nights like that. And I, you know, I got no, no problems with it. No problems with it. It's like that's just like how look at this, you know, you look at you look at Gagne and you look at Derek Lewis and you just knew Gagne was gonna win. But can Gagne deal with Nagato? You know what I'm saying? Derek Lewis has fought. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I wanna say he fought Nagano if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but that's neither here or there. But I I'm interested to see how this heavyweight division will go with John Jones still getting prepared with this Gagne cat guy. Would you know? Would would Blofovich, with him losing against Glover Teixeira, he looks like he's more built to be a heavyweight. Would he move up to be a heavyweight and jump into that? You know what I'm saying? Because he looks more of a heavyweight guy. Who's to say that him moving down to 205 maybe makes him feel uncomfortable? Who possibly? Possibly Glover Teixeira. You know what I'm saying? Seemed like a more of a fresher guy. Just saying. So you have that. You have John Jones. You know what I'm saying? So now we got we have three people in there. 
with a Derek Lewis, if he makes a makes a splash, you know what I'm saying, on this fight night coming up here on the on the eighteenth, then the heavyweight division can look somewhat spread out to where you can say John Jones go against Derek White Derek Lewis. Then you have Gagne going against Naganu. Then you have Blasovich going against an up and coming heavyweight. Kind of like a, you know, just to see if he do it. I would say I would want him to move up after losing the light heavyweight title. But that's that's I'm I'm done talking, you'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quick little talk with uh on the boxing tip, because we got that we got that as well. Vasily Lomachenko, somebody who has some things to say about the lightweight division and how things is going to your female losers to uh George Cambosos, the new light heavyweight I, mean, I said light heavyweight, lightweight champion. The best fighter in Australia. You know, you do something from a country and you'd be the first to do something. Or you could just be very stylish to do something. I look at George Cambosis and say I'm kind of both. He styled in his way. He showed up his for his countrymen and for his country. And he put on a good performance to win the Undisputed Lightweight Championship. And now he's on top of the world. Teofimo Lopez, talking about moving up to 140. So that leaves the lightweight division to be talked about with, say, Tank, George, Loma. Now you got going against Comey. Then you got Comey. Then you got to deal with uh, names like, I think, you know, a name like Shakur Stevenson should be brought up, even though he's fighting at 130. He's going to be taking fights at 135, hopefully, or soon. Um, after after uh, hopefully he gets the fight with uh, Ver, uh, 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 Oscar Valdez, um, you know Tank fight Barrios, then he you know then he then he then he goes back down to one thirty five, and he dispatches of this uh, Cruz kid who people are kind of jumping on the bandwagon a little bit, which I crack I crack up at that. It's kind of like you know he was a tough guy that, that Tank couldn't hurt. But it doesn't mean Tank lost the fight. Tank couldn't hurt him. Tank knocked out De La Cruz. He knocked out Pedraza. He knocked out, you know, Barrios. He knocked out, you know, all these people. You know, it's a 17 fight, knockout streak. He got trying to keep going, trying to get to 17. And he couldn't hurt this man. But he hit that man hard. He boxed him up. He hurt his hand hitting him in the head. Um, he landed the more effective clean of shots. He moved around the ring good. Um, Cruz, what he did good was he, you know, he took shots. He didn't waver. He threw hard shots. He landed some hard shots. He never hurt Tank. Not one time. Tank was never buzzed or woozy. I think that he initiated a lot of holding to where I think the referee made the judges look at him. That is kind of like, okay, he's walking in. He's not really trying to have a real boxing plan, but he's throwing haymakers and he's holding. Tank's moving around the ring. He's throwing a jab. He's throwing combinations. He is making him miss shots. That was apparently clear. And I felt like the 10, 115, 113 was fair because the rounds that Cruz won was the rounds where he did land some good shots with Tank, where Tank kind of was taking some rounds off. It happens in boxing. You either want to get 16, 116, 112, or 115, 113, but you don't want to lose. So I think you would take the 115, 113. I think that was a fair ruling for a unanimous decision. For the people who thought the Tank was robbed, go watch the fight again. Watch how... Shots were landing, pinging off of Cruz's head. Combinations, hard, clean shots. The uppercut was landing at will. Cruz didn't really start landing his shots to like the sixth round. 
and it wasn't enough to win rounds. Because if you was watching the, even the telecast with uh, Steve Harfoot, was was sitting there like, well, well, Cruz is landing some shots, but he's not winning the rounds. Like, yeah, he landed a couple of but it comes down to it, you're not winning the rounds. You're not controlling the rounds. George Cambosos was controlling the rounds against Teofimo Lopez. Controlling the rounds. Punching him and controlling the rounds. Making him miss, being first, all that stuff. Tank didn't get that done to him. So go back and watch the fight for the people who thought that George Cambosos, I mean, I said George Cambosos, that Mr. Cruz, five foot, five foot, which him being that height, he fought great. Because I was thinking, man, he's too short. But he's an actually tough fight. I hope to see him fight again. I want to see him fight Ryan Garcia. I think he can knock Ryan Garcia flat out. I think Teofimo could beat him. I think uh, I think Vasil Lomachenko would have some trouble with him. But I think he might ultimately might get the victory. I think Shakur Stevenson, if, if given the title, can move up. He could probably deal with him. I think... Me mentioning Shakur Stevenson's name in the 135 scene is just saying, hey, this is going to be to the come. It's going to be it's coming. But he's got some things he wants to iron out 130, and in due time he's going to move up to 135, and it's going to be some problems. And if Tank Davis is still in there, you know, that match would be super great, super great. Devin Haney, he looked good against uh, JoJo Lopez. Or people try to call him Slow Joe Lopez. But he looked good. Combinations on point, landed some precise body shots. Who knows if he got power? Who knows if he was really hurt, JoJo? All I know is that it was accurate. It was on point, and they looked cringy. They looked, oh, my God. He hit him in the stomach hard. And then he hit him in the gut. Hit him with uppercut. Hit him with a straight. Things you can know connected cleanly. You know, what JoJo Diaz was landing was tired. Man, my stomach hurt. Punches that... Maybe he wasn't hurt, knocked out hurt, or buzzed hurt. But those accumulation of body punches, I don't give a damn if it's from a pillow punch or not. They do things to you, and you act different, mainly in your arms. So, yeah, mentally or wherever, you might not, oh, that didn't hurt. Well, I'm, I'm good. But the fatigue of that makes it to where your arms is not on point. Your legs are not bringing a lot of punching power. And <laughs> you're not hitting hard. So when he was hitting Devin Haney, Devin Haney was at a point, eighth, ninth round. Those punches weren't hurting. And I was sitting there saying, I said, you know, Devin is getting hit now. He's available at getting hit. And you don't want to get hit like that by Tank. You don't want to get hit like that by Teofimo. You don't want to get hit like that, you know what I'm saying, from those guys. You don't want to get hit by, like it by Loma by so many where you just feel frustrated because you can't hit him like that. So those precise body shots, stuff like that, would you ever be able to hit a Loma like that? Would you be able to hit a T.O. like that? Would you be able to hit a tank like that? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Terrence Crawford, um, seeming like, you know, he's going on the independent role. Uh, and, you know, of course, people rolling out the red carpet, Floyd Mayweather, uh, um, you know, PBC, Z, Dreddy Hearns, you know, the matchroom boxing, you know what I'm saying, the, 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 the Frank Warrens, Everybody's probably hearing the antennas of Terrence Crawford trying to get a promotion team better than what he had at Bob Aram. Bob Aram got the ESPN scene long locked with top rank ESPN running the show with the watch me uh, what with the ESPN Plus app where you can watch boxing matches just like you'll be able to tomorrow night against Cyril uh, Machenko going against Richard Comey. But the thing is, Terrence Crawford wants to fight Earl Spence. 
And the thing is, like I always said about Bob Merrim, is that he's going to stall a fight. He's going to stall a fight because he wants the profit to go up higher for him. He wants, you know, his fighter to make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. He can make more, a lot of money. <laughs> so, I mean, you, 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 he thinking if we do the fight too fast, you're not going to maximize the money. Not realizing that in this day and age, it's a little different. We want to see young motherfuckers fight. We don't want to wait to see these guys be 33, 34 and knocked off all these young bums. We want to see these guys at the prime of their career get into it and fight so we can say, okay. Because right now, there's no up-and-coming superstars that we're calling them old. So get in the ring now before a tank before a Shakur, before a T.O., before a up-and-coming guy from, from 140, like a Josh Taylor or like a, like a Regis or, or, or somebody below that, a, a Mikey Williams. Michael Williams Jr. You know, there's guys that, that could come up and be like, hey, I, I, Virgil Ortiz is trying to be that, but... He just hasn't really sold it yet, especially with his last fight. So, I mean, you got guys that are coming up and saying, hey, you're Donna's new guys. Hey, uh, what's the kid? Ennis. You know what I'm saying? These are guys that are at 147 like, hey, I'm coming up. Ennis just had a good performance. So, you know, it, 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 you know, is Ugas and Ennis getting in the ring next together? Or, or or somebody like a Ugas is sitting there like I want to fight Spence, or it's a guy like Ennis like I want to fight Terence Crawford. So then they're gonna fight those two. Yeah, that's a good fight, but it's not Earl versus Terence. But if they hear it up and fight now, then you could be like, okay, I'll take the winner. We're going to take Ugas. The loser will take Ennis. Makes sense that way because then the winner of that Ugas and the winner of Spence and Crawford are the man. The winner of the, the the winner of 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 uh, Spence and uh, the winner the winner of uh, Ennis and the loser of that Crawford whoever can sit there either Crawford get his rematch Ennis can get that next stop up for a, and then Earl or Crawford will be defending a worth the weight undisputed title so it's all mapped out to where things can be undisputedly great and be a great little tournament. You just got to make it happen. That and lightweight, man. Y'all got the mic. Y'all got the floor. Canelo's moving up, fighting the cruiserweight that we don't even know. I didn't even know he was a champ. Floyd Mayweather put him out on blast. He said, oh, man, he was a part of the Mayweather gym. He was in there getting his ass whooped. Who, by Battle Jack? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, they said he didn't look good. Who is this guy that you're fighting that you can go in there and just knock off? Or a guy like a Benavidez can knock off. But you running from that man at 168. Hell, you, you ran from Jamar Charlo. You ran from DeAndre, Demetrius Andre. You fought Billy Joe because you knew you can go and you can go and knock that pillow puncher out. You fought uh, Liam Smith. You know what I'm saying? Because you knew you could. You knew you could just punish him. I think about all the recent fights that Canelo fought, I think the one against the, what was his name? And that's a shame too, man. Like, 
I don't even know the man's name because, like, what what was he doing fighting that guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, like why? Um, because he because it was it was right before. Um, I want to say it was right before. Um, the name's gonna come to me. Just give me a second here, because Canelo Alvarez, man, I think is pound for pound number one. Before he fought, before he fought Caleb Plant and Billy Joe Sound, he fought a guy named Yeardum. He fought a guy named Yeardum, a guy that lost his last two fights and was able to get moved up to fight Canelo Alvarez. I was like, now you're getting egregious. I can see Billy Joe. I can see Caleb Plant. Of course, we can see Caleb Plant. Even though I saw Caleb Plant getting planted on his ass like he did, but Yeardum, Yeardum. You know? It's almost kind of like with Terrence Crawford fighting Dongo. It's like, damn, you really want to be undisputed? 140 champion? Like, Canelo, you really want to be a cruiserweight champion this bad? You really wanted to sew up the middleweight divi- uh, the super middleweight division to move up to fight cruiserweight? You could have sewed up the middleweight division at 160 and it been look cooler after beating Triple G, then beat Charlo, then beat Andre, and beat Julie Joe. Instead of fighting Geardum, Callum Smith, and Liam Smith, I think was it, yeah, Sergey Kovalev, Callum Smith, you could have in Rocky Fielding, you could have fought Triple G, Danny Jacobs, Andre, Charlo, Billy Joe. I think your resume and everything would still be it would be better, and you'd still be called pound for pound number one. I think it's slipping now because your picks and fights are now. People are saying, hey, Terrence Crawford is. I'm starting to believe Earl Spence is. Just saying. In other news, we got Keith Thurman coming out of a 30-month hiatus after getting his ass ass handed to him by Manny Pacquiao. He didn't make no promises like Adrian Broner did. I'm putting that on God and him. And I'm doing it for the H-O-O-D. Funny times. Speaking of funny times with Adrian Broner, a woman tried to extort him by taking a picture of him sleeping in bed with him and was so adamant about it, was even going on Twitter saying, Adrian, it's Christmas time, I need mine, and posting the pictures. Adrian Broner replied back and said, I ain't got nothing for you, so you can go and post all the pictures and stuff you want. Bye. Don't give it up for free. And all he's saying is that uh, who in the who in the hell is going to care in my life that you got these pictures of me? Apparently, he has no significant other that's going to care. Apparently, he has no reputation he has to really worry about of being like, oh my god, I can't believe it. So she picked the wrong person to extort, and she broke a law. You can't extort people on the internet. So, if you get a knock on your door, ma'am, you know why. You dumb you. And I wanted to say what Snoop Dogg says, but I feel like it'd be trademark infringement. <laughs> Anywho, man. Keith Thurman is going to be fighting the man who was stopped by Tank Davis. Now, this is funny to me because Tank Davis can sit back and say, man, I, I stopped this guy. And here Keith Thurman's fighting him. And if Barrios comes in there and beats Tank Davis, uh, beats Tank Davis's, uh, I mean, if Tank Davis's leftovers can go in there and beat a Keith Thurman, 
Tank Davis should feel, hey, I can move up to 147, no problem. I would definitely feel that way. But Keith Thurman, I want to see some good. I want to see your win. Last time I saw your win was against somebody named Lopez that I ain't seen fight since. And he hit you with a shot that almost put you down and out. So, Josecito Lopez, thank you for showing us that Keith Thurman was not ready. And he knew he wasn't ready. Took on the fight against Manny Pacquiao. Gets knocked down against Manny Pacquiao. Gets beat up against Manny Pacquiao. And now we are square number one going against him. The former 130-pound guy who moved up to 140. Lost to Tank Davis. And now here you are trying to beat him up in February. It's happening. It's happening. Adrian Broner says he's going to be ready to fight sometime in January and February. He hasn't been in the ring since probably about a good 15 months. Ah, he needs to get in there before it's 18 months. Jesus. I'm just wondering to this point, it's like, is he thinking his boxing kind of like, oh, shit, I need some money real quick. Let me go fight. Like, you lost that love for boxing where it's just like, you are not even a person where you just dialed in and ready to go. It's like, you need a check, bruh. And I can dig it. I mean, like, we're all going to look for money to go to do what we do best. But what I'm just saying is that what happened to that that boy that I can say that could be a future Hall of Famer in the sport? But I guess he put it all his chips in one basket and went all in on it. And he was a three-time division champ. Can't knock it. It was all said and done. Adrian Broner's names is up there in regards to some very high names in boxing. You know, would he be a person to be going in the Hall of Fame? That remains to be seen, but his accolades match up. Just saying. Um, with, <laughs> with, with all the, the speculation talk, I was actually kind of looking forward to seeing it, but, you know, the things happen here and there, just where people start saying this and that. It kind of starting to seem like total bullshit. But with Jake Paul in his making of Showtime fights, it's getting better than, I guess, anybody else. But it's just like now you got this trust with Showtime and you're making these fights. Now you got to have a real boxer to fight. Uh, somebody that can say hey, a real legit chance of saying, hey, I'm going to continue as a boxer. I'm a real boxer. And he picked Tyson Fury's brother. Tommy Fury, a real boxer, somebody who's, you know, Jake Paul's a real boxer. He's a licensed guy. Go get his license. He's a real record and stuff. So what I'm saying is he's fighting somebody other than a UFC guy, another YouTuber. So he was fighting a boxer, Tyson Fury's brother. In the midst of everything happening, it seemed pretty smooth. But training goes here illness goes here next thing you know we want jay paul to do vada he could be taking steroids and the next thing you know tommy fury pulls out a fight saying that he can't get healthy enough to get ready for the fight it's not corona it was not an injury he got a bad code and then some some shit happened after that and now the fight has been pulled he didn't pull up for the press conference because he made an excuse about his mom being sick. So, I mean, who's to say that he really wanted to get in there and fight? Jake Paul, who knows, man? Who knows? But, lo and behold, 
a show must still go on, especially whenever you kind of are kind of close. So Tyron Woodley, who had to get a tattoo on his middle finger, he picked the body part, he picked Joe's middle finger, he put I love you, Jake Paul. He did that. So I guess that was somewhat good favor. Good uh it was it was honorable to make it to where Jake Paul looked at him and said, Hey, you wanna run this back? Who's to say if he didn't get the tattoo and say, Hey, fuck you, Jake Paul, da 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 Jake Paul might would have looked elsewhere. But he looked at Tyron Willie, somebody who's probably been training, of course, seeing how this fight could have been pulled out um, because of some reason. And because a lot of those guys got better inside sources than we do. Um, and me climbing up my media uh, ladder, I damn sure ain't have the resource, uh, the, the sources to tell me um, that, that, that this fight was going to belly up from the get-go. So he has been training. He's been keeping his mind right. He's been learning more boxing. He'd get the call to get the rematch on December 18th against Jake Paul, Showtime, Las Vegas. Jake Paul came public and said there was no contract, nothing in a contract that said that Tyron Willie could not knock me out. That was bullshit. He hit me with a good shot. I got myself together. I won the next two rounds. When y'all say that he was not supposed to knock me out and had a contract about it, it makes it seem like I had a fake fight and that I did not pull out said fight by victory. So he has now made it a personal decision to give Tyron Woodley $500 extra thousand dollars if Tyron Woodley is able to knock him out. Seems like a, seems like a fair deal. And Tyron Willie can be anything but more than excited because that was what he said. He is excited. He is excited to the chance of being able to fight Jay Paul again. He's excited to be able to get a chance to maximize the chance and win 500 extra K if he knocks him out. And you're back on Showtime pay-per-view. And the spectacle is actually kind of bigger than the Tommy Fury. People are more pumped up about this fight. I actually am. I want to see Tyron Willie give it another go. I want to see if Jake Paul learned some new things. I'm going to see if Jake Paul can jab without lifting that, that, that front foot. You know, keep that front foot down, step into it, generate the power from the legs. He seemed like he started getting a little tired and he started leaping with punches and he started like kind of hopping. And that takes so much pop off of punches that you don't want to do that. So I want to see things get cleaned up on his side. I want to see things better on Tyron's side. And I want to see a good card. Because his fighters before him in, in, in Tyron that I'm sure was looking to get a payday. So I'm glad that the event didn't get shut down and Showtime was going to do their thing. Steven Espinosa knows what he's doing. And he's going to work with people that knows what they're doing. And work with people that have money. Jake Paul does both. He knows what he's doing and he has money. Floyd has money, knows what he's doing. He got the people there, Leonard Ellaby, Al Heyman, guys like that to get things going. That's why Manny Pacquiao went to freaking Al Heyman. That's why... People like I think Terrence Crawford is going to end up doing, and that's why I think Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford is going to be made quicker than what it was before. Um, I think the last time I could talk about it in boxing, I'm going to get on out of here, is that in the heavyweight division, everybody knows that Tyson Fury knocks off Deontay Wilder in the, in the, in the, in the Wilder Chiller trilogy. Um, um, we had Anthony Joshua go against Alexander Usyk, who was a former undisputed uh, cruiserweight champion, moves up, 
fights Anthony Joshua after taking after taking a couple uh, tune-up heavyweight fights. He beats Anthony Joshua unanimously. Unanimously, in my book, um, I mean, really boxed him well. He, uh, of course, took a couple hard shots from the big Brit. Um, but, man, I tell you, Usyk really brought a good game plan. He used the southpaw very well. He came with the, the, with the counter left. He was smothering uh, uh, Anthony Joshua punches. He did a lot of things to Tyson Fury. did the Wilder, but just don't have the height and the reach. He has good reach, but he had he don't have the height. And it just, he did so many good things. It made me think of Tyson Fury to where it's like, man, if these two got into a fight, it'd be real good. Because you have that height disadvantage. You got to see how Uzi can get by that. And he used this real good boxing skill that he has. He's real good friends with Vasily Lomachenko. So you see how that rubs off. Tyson Fury is an excellent boxer with great pedigree. I just think that would be the best fight in the heavyweight division right now. I think the second best fight would be Deontay Wilder going against Anthony Joshua. Um, but now there's talk with WBC making a mandatory um, with Tyson Fury fighting Dillian White. I'm not really up on that fight. Dillian White's okay fighter. He's not going to be an undisputed heavyweight champion anytime soon. Neither is a Derek Chirosa. Neither is a Joseph Parker. Neither is a freaking, uh, 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 you know, Igba, a Jogba. Like, you know, like it's not a lot of guys that's going to be at the top of the division. Now, possibly that, that one Cuban fellow who beat a Jogba, uh, maybe. But uh, right now it's Tyson Fury. And I think Alexander Uzik can bring enough of a challenge to make that a real good fight. Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, a fight that we have not seen, that we wanted to see when they were both on their top, undefeated best. Now they both got two losses. Now they both got two L's. Okay? They both knockout artists. Okay? And they both don't like each other. So make the fight. They make some money. It'd be great. You know, Eddie Hearn would still be a happy guy. Eddie Hearn was last sitting there, sounding cringy, sitting there saying, man, I got to go talk to Anthony Joshua, maybe possibly have to pay this man $40 million to step to the side because he was to use his rematch clause on Alexander Usyk. But we don't want to see that again. You already lost to freaking uh, Andy Gar... Andy Gar... I'm <laughs> Andy Garcia. And Ryan Ru Andy Ruiz. You already lost to him. Hell, I'd rather see Ruiz fight uh, Wilder. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to sit there and try to waste your time and try to fight Usyk again, I would rather see Ruiz fight Wilder before I watch that rematch. I want to see Usyk fight Tyson Fury. I don't want to see Dillian White going against no Tyson Fury. There's no disrespect to Dillian White. I just don't think he's going to be that guy. At all. At all. It is what it is. It is what it is. But I'm going to get on out of here, man. Y'all keep looking at the boxing schedule, man. I'm going to come back. Hopefully, I'll talk about some <laughs> other sports. But um, keep looking at the schedules, man. Don't forget, Jamel Charlo is going against uh, uh, the rematch against Castellano. That was a hell of a first fight. I think uh, for it to be a draw, you know, uh, I thought I thought Castellano got it. You know what I'm saying? So, hopefully, with the with the rematch, uh, something's going to go down a little, a, little, a little different. You know what I'm saying? Um uh, Jamel just got to show a little bit more better boxing skill to more to try to get somebody out of there. And Cassiano, I think for him, he's going to have to not get hit with those hard shots to make it to where he's going to have to take a round or two to get back to how he was offensively. So they both got things to work on 
to really, you know what I'm saying, to, to sharpen, to sharpen the edges there. Um, look out for Erickson Lubin. You know, he's looking on a hungry path. He's won six fights in a row. Don't forget about Shakur Stevenson. He's trying to get a fight. Don't forget about, uh, like I said, I mentioned Adrian Broner. Um, hopefully, Mikey Garcia, I get to hear about his name here in the coming uh, uh, weeks or so. Um, other than that, uh, any other, any other, any other, any other, any other. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think here. I think I think I want to say that I did pretty good as far as the boxing wrap up there. Raquel Miller, excellent female boxer. Go check her out. I think she's fighting. I think she fought last weekend with a dub. She's she's uh, up and coming fighter. Like I said, uh, Michael Williams Jr. Um, go look him up. Um, anybody else? I'm, I know I'm missing out on some. Oh yeah. Um, I, I I I I just want to give her a shout out. Ebony Bridges, man, you be, she is bad. She is bad. I just wanted to give her a shout out, man. The Australian, like the Australian female Mike Tyson. She's short. She'll knock your ass out. You know what I'm saying? She got some dog in her, but she's beautiful, man. She's beautiful. But anyway, that is soft talk. I had all I had to say. Like I said, rest in peace. For to uh, Demarius Thomas and everybody else that lost a lost a loved one, close one this year, um, but yeah, y'all take care, man. Y'all be good. Have a good weekend.